Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We want to jump into our message today. We've been on this topic called preparing a dwelling place for God. So let's get our Bibles out. Hope if you got your physical Bible or whatever you use to open the Bible here at the Rhodes Church, we get a little excited when we open up our Bibles because we believe it is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. So if you got your Bibles, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, E. Rhodes family, let's get excited as we open them to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29. My name is Chad. If I haven't met you, I look forward to doing it. My wife Dawn and I are the lead pastors here. Sermon notes are available at the Version Bible app this week. Note takers are world changers. Before we get into the message, I want to pray. Just Holy Spirit, come, breathe life unto this message, God, that it, I will just speak what you're speaking. Thank you, Lord. Speak to our hearts. We want to hear from you. Thank you, Lord, that it be, uh, be a living word and not just a sermon, Lord. We just want to walk in stride with you, that you will confirm this word with signs following. So I yield the floor to you, Jesus. Whatever you have in store, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Preparing a dwelling place is about we are pursuing the manifest presence of God that leads to supernatural encounters. Again, pursuing the manifest presence of God that leads to supernatural encounters. We don't want to be satisfied with religion or just religious services about God. We want to encounter the presence of Jesus. There's a difference. We don't want to just talk about him, sing about him, all of that. We want you to know him. We just sang that song, right? That we can know him. And uh, so we want you to encounter him in powerful ways. That's our goal. God is just continuing to reveal to me uh, more forms of religion and just peel back layers of religion in my life, things that I didn't think were religious. And he's like, hey, just draw in close to me uh, for a deeper relationship. So that's what we're pursuing here and pray that you get something out of it today. Exodus 29, I'm just going to read verse 38. And then we'll jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to hold your finger there as well. We'll be there in just a moment. So it says in verse 38, says, Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The first requirement, we talk about three requirements for creating a dwelling place for God. And this is what we've been building this series on. Again, not requirements for salvation, just requirements that's mentioned in this verse on what we need to do to go after the deeper things of God for the presence of God just to dwell in our lives, not just in our services, but our individual hearts, in our homes, everywhere we are. He says the first thing, the requirement is, this is what you shall offer. The first thing is an offering. It requires an offering. We offer our whole hearts and lives in worship to him. This should be the, the, one of the values in our hearts that when we come into church that we offer worship to Jesus. We offer worship to him. Everything should be unto him. This is our goal when we're, the way we do our worship, the way everything, maybe you're like, man, these people raising their hands and people up front and what is all that? It's because everything is for him. It is not about you. It's not about me. Stop worrying about what other people think about how you worship him. 
None of them died on the cross for you. None of them rose from the dead for you. None of them did any of that for you. Worship him in freedom and don't be concerned about what others think about it. Offer worship to him. This is what we want to do. Well, I don't want to do that. What if somebody else? Who cares what they think? Were they hanging on the cross? Is, is their name Jesus? No. So we offer worship to him. Number two, second thing, sacrifice. Second thing that's required is a sacrifice. We are to offer our lives to Jesus as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Not acceptable to anybody else, not acceptable to culture, not acceptable to what anyone else thinks about my life, acceptable to God, holy, living sacrifice. We're going to have to sacrifice some things to follow Jesus. Following Jesus will lead to times of sacrifice and suffering. It's just important to teach that because people need to know that that's part of the process in walking in a relationship with Jesus. People are like, well, that's a little bit discouraging. No, it's just honest. We're going to have to walk out some things that's going to cost us a little bit. I'm trying to tell you in the days to come, the church is going to be um, introduced to more and more difficulty and suffering. We got to be prepared for it. So we're wanting to condition believers that are not shying away from the fight, but they're stepping into it. Sacrifice. All right, let's go on to the third one. The third thing that's required, look what it says, you shall offer on the altar, that sacrifice on the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. Somebody say continually. The word continually there means constantly, regularly, perpetually, never stopping. The third step is consistency. In our relationship with Jesus, we need some consistency. Perpetual, never stopping, regularly, constantly, in the midst of a pandemic, still going. In the midst of despair, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of opposition, you're still coming. You're still showing up. You're still serving Jesus. You're not taking a backseat. You're not withdrawing. You're pressing forward. Consistency, it's important. Regularly, never stopping. Jesus is asking us to live day by day, continual Christian lives. Continual Christian lives, day by day. That means every day. Every day. On Friday night, Saturday night, we're still Christians. Are we still Christians on Saturday night? I thought so. Are we still Christians on vacation? Oh, we got some people there. Hey, I felt the Lord speaking to her. We're still Christians day by day, no matter where we are, no matter who we're around. I'm looking for some help. No matter what friend group I'm around, we should be consistent. I am a believer, I'm a Christian, and I am not ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. Day by day, day by day at work, no matter what we're doing, we are desiring a continual dwelling place of God, not an occasional visit from God. This is what we want in the church. This is what we want in our hearts. We want a continual dwelling place for the presence of God. Not every once in a while we see a little flicker of something. I want every time you walk into the building to encounter the presence of God. You didn't come for me. You came for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I want you to encounter him every time you walk in the building. So this is why we pray. This is why we're seeking his face. So now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Consistency. 
Consistency. How many knows in the church we need more consistency? I mean, in our lives individually, we need more consistency. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I mentioned this last week, but there's something else that Jesus highlighted this week that I want to emphasize. So we're going to read some of this again. I'm going to start in verse 57. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So now when I'm talking about consistency, 58 is a huge verse for talking about consistency. And so I was so excited about getting into that because there's words like this, steadfast, immovable, always abounding, not sometimes, not when I feel like it, but always abounding in the work of the Lord. Oh, abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that my labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, man, I want to get in and talk about that consistency. But in the very first word, therefore, God arrested my attention and said, listen, 58 is dependent on 57. Because the word therefore means as a result or because of. So you could read it this way at the beginning of 58. Because of that, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Or because of that happening or as a result of that, on the condition of that, that's what therefore means. In other words, some people have used this old biblical phrase, when you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Right? So that is to look before it and see, wait a minute, why am I able to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord? Because of, or as a result of 57, it allows me to be steadfast and immovable. So let's look at what it's talking about. Again, I talked about this some last week, but there's some things I want to jump into that's going to be new. We'll start in verse 57, and it says the first part, but thanks be to God. The word thanks is an expression of thankfulness. If you want to transform your prayer life, start out your prayer life with thanksgiving. Your Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Instead of starting out with, Lord, give me this, give me that, give me that, start out with, thank you, Jesus, that I have breath today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for raising from the dead. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my breath. Everything that you have, give thanks to God. Start out with thanksgiving. Have a grateful heart and say, Jesus, before I ask for anything, I just want to tell you, thank you for everything you've done in my life. You may not feel like it at that time, but if you will show a thankful heart, it will revolutionize your prayer. Your prayer time is going to go to a whole nother level because God says, do not even enter my gates without thanksgiving. Don't come at me wanting something. Come at me thanking me for something. I believe in supplication prayer. I believe ask and you shall receive. I believe in all that, but start out coming with thanksgiving. Thanks be to who? To God who gives us the victory. Now, what's the victory? The victory is the word nikos, which in the Greek means this, to have conquered, have conquered, triumph, a successful ending of a struggle or military conquest. A successful ending of a struggle or military conquest. Now, most of us cannot relate with military conquest 
unless we served in the military. And for those of you who did, thank you so much for your service. We appreciate you. Thank you. Come on, let's give it up for them. Thank you. Everyone who served. Thank you for our men and women. Now, as believers, we do have spiritual military conquests. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness, high places. We do wrestle with that. But now, I think a word that we can probably better relate to is struggle. A successful ending to a struggle. We struggle with, how many ever used the phrase, I'm just struggling with something right now? Like we all have. We can struggle with wisdom for decisions. We can struggle in our finances. We can struggle with addictions, with confidence, with insecurity, with our friends, with our emotions. I, I'm just struggling to know what to do with this. I'm, I'm struggling to figure out the answer. I, I'm struggling with how I feel, whatever it may be. Here's what the word struggle means in the Webster Dictionary. It means to make strenuous or violent efforts, hear me, to make strenuous or violent efforts in the face of difficulties or opposition. To proceed, proceed, proceed hmm, with difficulty or with great effort. Here's what I know. The successful ending of a struggle, that I'm struggling with something, it means that there are things that's going to come against me, things are going to oppose me, things are going to be resistant, but I just keep coming. What God is talking about in consistency and what he wants consistency in our life, the victory that he's giving us is even in the face of difficulty, struggling with God is not, I'm just struggling and I throw up my hands and I give up. Struggling is even though I'm walking against the wind, I'm still proceeding forward. This is what God wants to encourage us with. You may be struggling with something right now, but just keep going forward. Keep trusting God. Keep believing with God. Here's what I know. Consistency cannot truly be measured in the absence of adversity. Let me say it again. Consistency cannot truly be measured in the absence of adversity. I cannot be consistent until there's an opportunity for me to face opposition or adversity. Consistency means that I'm still doing something in spite of, not in the absence of, difficulty or adversity. Consistency means if it's truly going to be measured. I can't measure consistency if nothing has ever challenged me yet. I can never measure consistency in my walk with Christ until there's been suffering or disappointment and I still showed up and still keep coming. You're consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he gives us the big victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through what? Through, whew, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word through there means by which way it comes. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, I want you to think about this today, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's easy for us to think, okay, I want victory. I have to go through Jesus to get it. So that's the means to the end. But Jesus is not the means to the victory we want. He's not merely someone we go to as a delivery service for something we want. He's not FedEx. He's not UPS. He's not USPS. He's not genie in a bottle. He's not a vending machine. He's not a Pez dispenser. He is the victory we're looking for. He is not the one who gives us the victory alone. He is the victory alone. He's the one we're pursuing. 
So this is the connection that I want to talk about. He's not just the one who gives us peace, joy, or wisdom. He is peace, joy, and wisdom. So I want to encourage us with is about this connection. So this, this through, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see through the Lord Jesus Christ through this lens. Through means not only what comes through, but the connection itself. Give you a couple of things that maybe you can relate. And there's nothing that relates well. I tried thinking about all these analogies and nothing was perfect because you're trying to compare something to Jesus. One thing I thought about was plumbing. I know. Jesus and plumbing. But here's what I want you to see. This spoke to me. Maybe it won't speak to you. You want water to your house. But you can't get water to your house without the connection of the plumbing. I can have the connection of the plumbing to my house, but if I don't have water, there's still no benefit. So when you think of the word through, Jesus is not just the plumbing, nor is he just the water, he's both. I need the connection to Jesus because if I have the connection to Jesus, Jesus can come through the connection. Maybe that one doesn't work. Let's try another one. Wi-Fi. Light bulbs, come on. Just think of Wi-Fi. You can have all of these apps, all these videos you want to stream, all this, all this music that you want to stream. But if you have no connection, then all of those things are useless. They won't do you any good. What's, what is the first thing most teenagers now, or not even teenagers, it could be up in 20-somethings now, but mo- when you go into a restaurant, you go into a building, go into a facility, most of them are looking right away to see if there's Wi-Fi. That's priority one. Do I have Wi-Fi? <laughs> Spiritually speaking, that's what we need to be thinking. Priority one, do I have a connection with Jesus? If I'm connected with him, then everything that's available to me, every app, everything he wants to give me, I can get. But the connection is a priority. Through, thanks be to God who gives us a victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have to be connected to him before I'll ever receive everything that he wants me to have. If I value what he wants to give me more than the connection, then I will not get connected if I don't need anything. Here's what happens in religion. I will pray my socks off this week because I'm stressed out at work or I'm having major spouse issues or major financial issues, major kid issues, so I'm praying and reading my Bible. I want that connection because I want something to come through it. If I value the connection, then everything can be fine and I still want to stay connected to him. Does that make sense? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says, thanks be to God who gives us. Somebody say gives us. Gives. That word gives is a Greek word that means to bestow. Come on, understand this. Bestow, commit, or deliver to. So God, thanks be to God who 
bestows to us, commits to us, delivers to us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He delivers it to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. The word give in the Webster, here's another great definition I thought spoke volumes. To grant, to present, to transfer, to put into the possession of another for his or her use. Oh, come on, come on. So here's what he's saying. Thanks be to God who delivers to, transfers to, puts in the possession of us for our use. That he takes the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and transfers it to us for our use. So here's a question I got. Here's a question. Is it possible for God to give us something, make something available to us, transfer something into our possession, and we still not use it? Just a question. Are there victories that have been given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ that we're not using? Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Which we learned is right after 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Is it possible for God to make something available to us or transfer something into our possession and we still not use it? Hmm. Let's see. 2 Peter chapter 1. Are you ready? Look at verse 2. Peter's writing and he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now notice the words to you. To you brings it home to you individually or me individually. To you speaks of application. So grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So notice what it's saying. Grace and peace will be multiplied. Multiplied just means to increase or to abound, to grow. So grace and peace will grow in your life. It will abound to you where? In the knowledge of God and Jesus. What is he trying to tell us? Grace and peace is not something I just ask Jesus to give me. When I grow in my knowledge of him, it is multiplied in me through the knowledge that I've gained in him. Keep keep explaining. So what he's saying is that I don't just say, God, give me peace. I increase my knowledge of God. Increase my knowledge of Jesus, not just head knowledge. I'm talking about revelation knowledge. And as I learn more about him, he comes in me and peace comes with him. Grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you need more grace? Then grow in the knowledge of Jesus. The grace will abound. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Now look look at verse 3. As his divine power, his divine power, not my divine power, it wasn't my idea. He originated. His divine power has given. Now is has given present tense or past tense? Past tense. I know some of you got nervous. I don't test well. (laughs) Has given. That's past tense. What does that mean? It means his divine power has given. 
Does that sound familiar? Thanks be to God who has given us the victory. Same thing. So this is his divine power has transferred into our possession for our use. Same wording. Has given to us how many things? His divine power has given to us how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Underline that. His divine power has given, already made it available, already transferred into our possession for our use through the Lord Jesus Christ, all things that pertain to life and godliness through, there's that same Greek word dia, through, how does the, all things that pertain to life and godliness come to us? Through the knowledge of him. Now come on. Do you see this? <laughs> through the knowledge of Jesus, everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness are available to you. Now, most people believe that all things that pertain to godliness comes through knowledge of God. I mean, that's obvious. The more I know about God, the more I'm going to have godliness. But what is not embraced is all things that pertain to life in general. All things. You need, need some help with your job? What does God know about engineering? Everything. What does God know about medical procedures? Everything. What does God know about teaching elementary school? Everything. Are you getting the point? All things that pertain to life. What does God know about restoring marriages? What does God know about fixing my finances? What does God know about dealing with my kids and parenting? See, he says all things that pertain to life and godliness, how do they come? Through the knowledge of him. The more we pursue to know him, the more we're going to know what to do in every area of our life. Look at verse 4, or or in verse 3, who called us by glory and virtue. That's so good, but I don't have time to tell you. His glory, it's his glory and his virtue. He called us not by my glory and my virtue. He called me by his glory and his virtue. Oh, we can say something there, but we got to stop. Let's go to verse 4. Thank you, Lord, that it's by your glory and your virtue and not mine. Verse 4, by which, that word by is again, the same Greek word dia. It could be the word through, but by is fine. By which, or you could say through which, through which have been given, have been given, present or past tense. Just making sure. Just, <laughs> just looking for full participation. We're only about five rows deep if the rest of you can tell me present or past tense. Past, past tense, thank you. Past tense. Why is that important? I'm going to say this, and I mean this with all of my heart. I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm here for you to get it. Why else are we here? I don't mean that rough or harsh. I mean, I, if we don't get the word, then what, what else? We're not here so you go, wow, that boy can speak. I, I, that means nothing to me. What means something to me is that the Holy Spirit brings something alive in your heart and you walk out of here changed because of the truth of his word. 
So why do I emphasize certain things? Why do I break it down? Why do I go through this? Because I want you to get it. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's the one who shows us the way, the truth, and the life. So it says that have been given to us, have been given, past tense, us exceedingly great and precious promises. Woo, that's your Bible. <laughs> exceedingly great and precious promises that through dear. Through these, through these, these what? Through these exceedingly great and precious promises, through these you may be, what's the next word? Partakers. What does it mean to be a partaker? Partaker means you are a participant, a partner, an associate, someone who is involved, not someone who observes. What takes me from being someone who observes the things of God and someone who participates in the things of God? It's through these precious promises. It's not because God sovereignly makes it happen. He gives me, makes it available to me. He's transferred it into my hands and said, get into my word and through these, through the knowledge of me, you will become a partaker instead of an observer. Don't be satisfied to be an observer in church. Be a partaker. I don't want to just watch God bless other people and go, boy, that's nice. I wish it could be me. I want to be a partaker of the goodness of God. I don't want to just watch things happening on the sidelines. I want to be a partaker of what the heart of God is doing in the earth today. We don't want to just talk about him and sing about him. We want to partake of him. You get the feeling? But what are we partakers of? Oh, I love this part. Partakers of the divine, divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. The word nature means character of something, attributes and qualities. Here's what God is saying to all of us. He's saying, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. I am convinced that people, I know this for a fact, we all want things from God. Most of the time, though, people are not willing to go about getting it the way they need to go about getting it. Because they want to do drive-up stuff. We... We want to do whatever I, whatever's the quickest way to do it. I mean, what do I need to do? Do I need to pray? Do I need someone to lay hands on me? What do I need to do? I just want this to happen. So we want the microwave. We want, because we're not pursuing relationship. We're pursuing something from him. Relationship says, I'm with you whether I get anything or not. I'm reading, I'm reading your word because these are exceedingly great and precious promises. I don't know that I'm going to have any earth-moving thing happen today. I don't really have anything on my list. I'm just reading your word because I know in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of you, I can be a partaker of the divine nature. What do we want to do? Hmm. Here's, the, here's the highest goal, right? Not to be a partaker of something from him, but to be a partaker of his nature. If I get something from him, tomorrow I'm going to need something else. The next moment I may need something else. But if I can be a partaker of his nature, then I become something. There's a level to go from wanting something from him and becoming something with him. 
Are you trying to tell me that I can have the nature of God? No. Jesus is telling me that. I didn't say it. He said, you can be a partaker of the divine nature. How are you going to do it? Through the knowledge of him. Through these precious and exceedingly great promises that are available to us. I'm asking the question again. Are there things that have been made available to us that have been transferred to us, but we're not using them because we set it on the counter and we say, I'll see you next Sunday when I pick you up to carry you into church. When in this book is all things that pertain to life and godliness. In here is the knowledge of a person. Oh, it's the creator of the universes in here. If I can understand him through this, I'm like, oh, I don't, Lord, I'm not asking you to give me joy. I'm just asking me to give you more of you. Give me more of you. If you'll give me more of you, then joy will be inside of me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not joy that he gives me, the joy that is him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.